This podcast was created as a part of Podcast Lab by India Film Project in association with Anchor by Spotify. What does writing, storytelling, creativity mean to me? Hmm. As a kid, I was frequently told I'm in my own world, you know, when my eyes glazed over and I was using my imagination. For me, writing and storytelling are my way of allowing others to enter those worlds. My stories and my music are the keys that unlock the gates and take down the barriers to my mind. They allow me to express myself and say what I want to say, but, you know, stuff that is tough for me to say in normal conversation. Writing, storytelling, and creativity are the bedrock of my life, as I truly believe you learn more about me as a person through my works. My imagination takes me to all sorts of worlds and universes from history to mythology to fantasy to absolute nonsense. By reading and listening to my stories, my audience is able to join me on a journey into my mind. And my favorite aspect of it is that there are so many ways to tell stories. Storytelling in text, in animation and live action, you know, films and stuff in music, in poetry, and so much more. All of these mediums have been conduits through which I've been able to tell stories and express the thoughts and emotions I have in the most imaginative and fantastical way that suits me. Yeah, that's what writing is to me. That's what storytelling is to me. That's what creativity is to me. It's people getting to know me. Hey everyone, welcome to the Closet Writer Chronicles. I'm your host Sangeeta, aka The Moody Marshmallow. You just heard our guest for today, Sahil Bhargav. Sahil is a singer-songwriter, writer and animation producer. His debut EP titled Ronin was released in August 2021, while his single Kohima was nominated for several film festivals, including the LA Shorts International Film Festival. He's also the creative producer on the upcoming Young Captain Nemo franchise with more animated and live-action projects to be announced soon. Today, I'll be chatting with him about his journey with animation and music. So hey Sahil, welcome to the Closet Writer Chronicles. It's so good to have you here, finally, after so much of back and forth with dates. Absolutely, it's my pleasure to be here. So I think just kind of diving right in into like the main questions I have. Um, so first off, and I think the most obvious one is how did you get into writing? And, you know, when did you kind of realize that writing and storytelling was something you wanted to pursue professionally? Oh, professionally? Uh, well, I got into writing as a kid. I was, you know, I had a pretty crazy imagination and um, I was always telling stories and creating like scenarios when we were on the playground playing like Justice League and stuff. And so I was always a pretty creative kid. Um, in terms of getting into writing professionally, it it kind of happened right after college when I was, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I started writing for game companies and stuff just as a side hustle. And eventually okay. I started to realize how much I liked, I liked telling stories from a creative and like conceptual standpoint. And so that's how I got into writing and eventually it led me to what I'm doing now, which is doing a lot of writing and um, producing for animation. But the long journey just really started from me loving watching stuff and listening to stuff. And it does not hurt that my mom and dad are very creative as well. And my mom is oh. a writer too. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Uh, a lot of that I kind of just got from learning from them. Oh, okay. That's amazing. I had no idea. that That's brilliant. Um, but then, you know, how did you get into animation because i would assume mm -hmm. especially because you're also you're south asian and you're indian i would assume that's mm -hmm. not exactly one of the first career choices that comes to any <laughs> indian or south asian kid while growing up like first of all i think to get into a creative profession and then be like oh i want to be an animation writer which is again fairly mm -hmm. niche if you look at it from a south asian lens i guess um yeah. so how did you get into animation and what are some of your favorite you know, anime or animated content sure, that sure. inspired yeah. you. 
Well, I do want to preface this by saying that there is plenty of excellent animation and animation writers um, coming out of India now. And it's, mm. I think over the next, you know, few years, we'll start to see the benefits of that when more and more exciting content comes out of India, hopefully some of which is, you know, from my stuff as well. <laughs> um, but uh, in terms of getting into animation, I have been a huge anime and just animation in general fan since I was a kid, you know. Going way back to like the golden age of Nickelodeon with like Hey Arnold and stuff, mm. and the animated series, or even like a little bit later Avatar: The Last Airbender, and you know, all of the anime that I watched as a kid as well. Um, it's always been a big part of my life. And how I got into animation was when I was right out of college, around the same time that I was starting to write professionally. Mm. Um, I started this company with a few other people that was primarily doing kids content for like preschool. And yeah my um my main kind of pet project in amongst that group was a nursery rhyme channel uh, oh, which cool. is still on youtube it's called okay. tunes if anyone's ever interested in checking out me doing be weird voices and stuff like that for hey, wow. nursery rhymes. um but like that was my first foray into it and i had no experience in animation prior to that so it was a it was a steep learning curve but it was such a good way to get started because it was musical content which is my bread and butter um and it was an easier way to transition into it. But I always kind of thought that at some point in my life, if I did pursue creative stuff, animation would be part of it just because of how big and, and, and how much uh, influence it's been on my life. I can probably list more in my top 10 favorite movies. I've, I imagine at least half, if not more than half, would be animated. Yeah? And like so, which ones, uh, if I may ask? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, as a kid, uh, there was a lot of like Lion King was a big yeah. one for me as a kid, for sure. Love that. Um, but I also really, um, I I mean, I'm trying to think of ones that I watched as a kid that would have captured my imagination that not so much now. Um, the Disney ones for sure, but there were also a couple of anime ones. Like I watched Akira when I was pretty young, actually, and that was okay. pretty dope. A lot of the Naruto movies were really mm -hmm. good, even though some of them weren't canon. Um, but I really started getting into like animated movies once I got older and, you know, you've got stuff in the West over here, like Into the Spider-Verse and Kubo, mm. which are two that stick out to me as well. Kubo and the Two Strings. Those are fantastic. Um, but then there's also all sorts of anime movies like, um, Tokyo Godfathers or Paprika by Satoshi Kon are really good. Okay. Um, anything by Makato Shinkai, like he did Your Name, which is very, very big. And then, uh, Weathering With You was actually visually very cool as well. Um, and, you know, even stuff like the Demon Slayer movie recently was visually stunning, but any, anything in Demon Slayer is visually stunning. They have just a really good anime style or animation style. Um, but yeah, as far as movies go, like I have so many different animated movies that have influenced me. And then as shows as well, you asked me like what animation shows are my favorites. I mean, yeah. it's hard not to look at Avatar, The Last Airbender, yeah. Metal Alchemist. Oh my God, Stein yes. <laughs> Steins Gate is a big one for me. I love Steins Gate for their writing okay. and just everything. I mean, the acting both in the English and the Japanese is stellar. Uh, recently, Arcane, I was surprised because I've never played League of Legends and have no plans to, but the show <laughs> is brilliant. I was shocked at how good it was. I didn't expect it. And the music is also stellar. So, uh, I guess those are a couple of them, but I could go on and on. I mean, I have barely scratched the surface yeah. of what anime. No, I, I know you can. <laughs> I know yeah. you can, which is why I kind of asked this question because um, I, I think I got into watching anime, I think when I was like 11 or 12. And oh, I think, uh, yeah, I think there was Animax that came out at that time in India. And I Yo, just... Oh, Animax was amazing. I watched <laughs> yeah. everything from, I think the card captors on there. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I never understood that show. I never, because the thing about Animax is it was daily episodes. Yeah. And I would miss so many of them. But okay. Yu Yu Hakusho. Such a yes. Show. Oh my God. That I love that Animax. show. I love that so show. Good. Oh it's my God. Detective, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even uh, Tantai Gaku and Q, which is Detective School. I didn't Q. watch that. I so that was the that. first animated show I watched. And, oh, and nice. they were doing weekly reruns on a weekend or something. And I just sat and uh -huh. I binged for like two hours. And I was like, oh my God, I love this show. And that's how yeah. I got into uh but yeah. Was Full Metal Alchemist the original, not the, not Brotherhood, which not is, Brotherhood. Brotherhood is probably my favorite, but I think the original yeah. Full Metal Alchemist was on Animax too. Yes, that was my that's first true. introduction to the brilliant character that is Edward Elric. Like Yeah. I, I oh my god. He's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. That's um, one of my all time favorites as well. I can watch that show N number of times for sure. Oh it, Avatar and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood are two of the shows where like I will cycle them in and out like every alternate year you know i just have to experience it and see what else i'm getting from it uh 
Yeah, there are a few shows that do that for me. I think Jujutsu Kaisen might be turning into that. It just depends on how long it goes for. But um, every now and then, I need to go back to 10-year-old Sahil watching just, like, action shown in anime or, like, something like that. Like, you know, Teen Titans yeah. is another one. I don't yeah, know oh, that. yes, I did. 2003 Teen Titans. Yeah. That show was brilliant. Um, yeah. But, no, it's it's amazing. I mean, the fact that you kind of now get to do something you grew up loving, right? And kind of absolutely. turning it into a profession. Yeah. I think that's incredible because, honestly, how many people get to, you know, say that, you know, I'm doing what I grew up loved, you know, experiencing in a way. It's, it's amazing. And it really does change my perspective on both what I like to do for work and what I like to do for fun. You know, it has mm. a it has an impact on both facets of my life because effectively I've combined both facets of my life. Exactly. You know, yeah. My work is my fun, but mm. it still is work. And there's still a lot of the difficulties that come with work. And I mean, anyone who's like looked at behind the scenes stuff on animation would probably mm. see the amount of time and steps and the amount of people that you really need to get something sure. looking really to some, getting something looking good, let alone like into the spider verse level, like mm. legendary. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's it's changed a lot about how I think of animation now, even when I'm watching things, because I can appreciate something that is well-written, even if it doesn't look good and vice mm. versa, you know? Because mm. I can tell, like, where people are putting in certain kinds of work and stuff. And I know that my eyes, dig like, design-wise, are not as strong as they are probably, or my I guess my senses are from figuring out story standpoint and, like, you know, thinking about what choices actors are making because that's more my bread and butter um, mm. than, like, I don't ever do the drawing and animation or anything mm. like that. But I can start to tell, like, you know, when people are using certain kinds of 3D backgrounds and stuff like that, how much time went into, you know, two mm. seconds of animation, let alone 20 minutes or 40 minutes or 120 and so on. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And which kind of brings me, you know, to the next part because I know, so when I was doing a little bit of like um, research about you, um, <laughs> I heard that. So I found out that apparently you have a certain degree of color blindness. I'm not sure to yep. what degree. So does that affect your job in animation at in any sense? Or is it fine because you just stick to writing? How does that? Oh, I mean, these days as a producer, I don't just stick to writing anymore. So the answer is 100% yes, it does affect my job. Okay. Well, like there have been times like the one of the first things I did, the Nursery Ram channel had a turtle that was green. And okay. I would keep asking people, why is the turtle orange? It was oh. not. It was green. Oh. It was green the entire time. And I had oh, like, an entire set of notes I gave, like, why is the turtle orange? And then like one of the people I was working with was like, are you colorblind? I was like, actually, yes, I am. Oh. And they're like, that makes sense. Um, no, it doesn't affect me much anymore because I, I mean, everyone who's worked with me for all of 10 seconds will figure it out. It's not very hard. Hmm. Okay. Um, but, and like the degree to my colorblindness, it's not like I'm incapable of seeing the colors completely. It's color oh. deficiency. So like my green, my green receptors or whatever it is are weaker or, or lesser or something. And so okay. I have trouble with red, green, and then other combinations of colors, but it okay. really just depends on like you know 2d versus 3d like in 3d i think colors look a little bit different to me than they do in 2d 2d i have trouble telling okay before. yeah so it doesn't affect my ability to drive unless you ask me to point out the color of a car on the road okay. um but uh i mean in animation like i'm usually not the lead designer or like in charge of coloring things so it doesn't mm. affect me too much in a like crucial way but certainly like when i'm giving notes i will put right. like, a little disclaimer at the top that you know a person giving notes can does not yeah, it does not has not have the ability to see the colors correctly please advise <laughs> um, okay yeah no that's that's interesting because i found that really fascinating i was like wait how does that work because if you're working in animation and if mm -hmm. you know you are but okay that's that's interesting to hear um but, you know, again, coming to animation as a profession and because mm -hmm. we're South Asian, um, what are some misconceptions you think people have about animated content or even just mm -hmm. professionals working in animation? And have you experienced anything firsthand? Uh, yeah, I mean, for starters, this is not limited to South Asia. A lot of people still have this misconception that animation or cartoons, as it used to be called. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They, they just assume it's for kids and i'm mm. for starters i just have to point them to like any anime ever and be like yeah that's not true um mm. but beyond that like even well arcane's a good example 
Um, I'm trying to think of other examples here in the West that are like adult animated. Invincible is another one that's definitely not mm. for kids. You know, that was the Amazon show. Mm. Animation is a medium, not a genre. You know, just like mm. anime. A lot of people right. say that, oh, it's anime, like Japanese. Like yeah. it's like that stuff. I'm like, no, like even within anime, there's like a hundred different genres. I can yeah. find out slice of life, rom-com, action, horror. Like it, there's anything in anime and it's the same. I think this is a common misconception that I've noticed across the board, like not just in South Asia. Yeah. And it's something that I think in the next decade is going to completely get flipped. You know, stuff like Into the Spider-Verse has shown that animation can be as good, if not better than any live action thing out there. You know, uh, mm. Arcane has shown that animation can be as big in scale as Game of Thrones. You right. know, um, the, the next decade is going to be a big boom for adult animation, for horror animation, all sorts of stuff. And you can see it actually on the industry stride, what's getting bought right now, what's getting announced by like the big streaming studios and the big like, you know, movie studios. It's um, it's actually a really good time to be in animation for me because, um, you know, my my job, official job yeah. is I run an animation studio that like my division of it focuses on teen and adult animation. And so, right. yeah, that's definitely one of the big things that I'm always trying to tell people um, uh, that animation can do anything. In fact, half the Marvel movies are animated now, like the live action. Marvel yeah, movies. like Iron much. Man, unless it's like Robert Downey Jr. on screen, it's just an animated character yeah. or like some kind Fair of enough. rig that's then been animated. Even Spider-Man, his eyes are animated now. Mm. You know? Like that's how you get the new Spider-Man, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. His eyes do the thing yeah. it does in the comics where like it reacts to stuff. Um, they learned that I think from Deadpool or they both were doing it at the same time, but like, oh, okay. you know, animation has gotten so advanced now that it can look real, you know, to the yeah. point where video games, Horizon Zero Dawn is a great example of a visually stunning video game where, you know, my mom will sit down and be like, this is as beautiful as any like live action movie I've seen. Um, yeah. and then she'll watch me murder a dinosaur robot and be like, I don't want to oh watch this game anymore. <laughs> Horizon's yes. a great game. It's, yeah. it's, it's incredible. I highly recommend it. Yeah, we're um, not promoting violence on this show, guys, but uh, sure. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. You're talking to me about like what I write and like so much of it does go into the action space. But yeah, you are correct. Do not murder dinosaur robots. They have feelings too. Yes, um, for sure. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, no, I actually, I do agree because there's so many people even I meet and immediately when I say that oh yeah you know I enjoy like watching anime or mm -hmm. you know I've maybe I've read manga or something like that. they're like oh but mm -hmm. isn't that for kids and then I'm like no you should go watch like a Tokyo Ghoul or Death Note or something Tokyo Ghoul's a good show. Yeah. and Death Note is definitely not for kids yeah that's a good yeah show. Mm -hmm. yeah so I'm like you should definitely go watch those and then get back to me <laughs> on what you think but <laughs> Just the first episode of Tokyo Ghoul alone with it's uh, very Shire, depressing. Right? Yeah. Well, with the the whole thing with his date with Risa, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. You know, that's I wouldn't show that to kids. Like, there's a live action version of that. that yes, I know. I didn't very, watch it. I didn't well, watch it. Most live action, like the the ones that are made in Japan. I mean, the ones made here are even worse. But like the ones <laughs> made in Japan, like most of them are kind of iffy. Mm. That specific sequence where like the date and then the whole like the tower or mm. like, the, the construction the building construction collapsing it was really well done like I was okay surprised. okay like, she didn't look terrible that's the best way for me to put it <laughs> okay. you know like and the acting was stellar i was like oh damn like i believe okay he's terror and Rise is well whatever you know i'm trying not to spoil tokyo ghoul yeah that's the first episode yeah so, i think there was a live action of full metal also but i watched the trailer and i was like i'm not watching this don't watch that one i yeah. didn't watch that it's yeah. like a live action attack on Titan. Like, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> yeah, no. So not watching it, I will live with the animated version of that oh, yeah. show. For like, sure. The physics in the animation are a lot easier to explain. I don't know how to explain the physics of the OMDs from Attack on Titan or like uh, oh uh, Transmutation and Full Metal. Like, yeah. I mean, Full Metal tries to explain the physics and it just does not. It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. Um, but, but yeah. yeah, fun watch nonetheless. So if oh, anyone's great, new, yeah. anyone's new to anime on animation, go check out all the shows we've well, mentioned. Those are two great starter packs. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and Attack on Titan are great yeah. intro to anime. Definitely, For sure. I'd say is another one. I think Tokyo Ghoul. I mean, if you're okay with a little bit of tragedy, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't say Tokyo Ghoul because the anime goes in a very weird direction, so you don't get the whole story. That's the also true. The manga does. Like, yeah, it's just uh, not great. 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's still a great show. I mean, I don't know. I just weirdly, I was like, this is really depressing, but I, I'm weirdly hooked oh, in this show. It's a really cool franchise in general. And I, yeah. I, lo- I love um, the concept of it because it's a se- effectively like a vampire story, but in a modernized world without the kind of over flamboyance of vampires that you sometimes associate with that kind True. of, you know, monster species. True. Um, and Tokyo Ghoul really unpacks a lot of that. Um, Shinky is another vampire-ish story, which mm-hmm. is very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like a village with like vampires hunting the humans, but it very okay. very quickly humanizes the vampires too yeah. and demonizes the humans, and so yeah. it turns into a little Attack on Titany. Oh, okay. Yeah, I will check that out. Well, but even Shoots Basket is great if you want slice of life. That's also tragic, but I mean, it's... yeah, I can I can go on on about slice yeah. of life anime too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but yeah. anyway, moving on. We will never end moving with this on. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you've got to keep it ticking. I as, can talk about this as, for, uh, uh, <laughs> as you can see, both of us clearly seem to be very involved in animation mm-hmm. and uh, anime. But yeah, moving on. Um, so I think to the other part of your career, which is you're a songwriter. Um, you mm-hmm. compose music. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, how did music happen? What has that journey been like for you? I know you mentioned a story on other podcasts about you being a kid and performing yeah. and realizing that you'd love this. But when did you realize yeah, that yeah. this was something you again wanted to kind of professionally um, pursue? Oh, see, unlike animation and writing, where I always liked them but didn't realize that I wanted to do it professionally until I was probably like 18, 19. Okay. Music was like, actually, Animation might have even been 21, but music was like four. <laughs> like, oh, wow, okay. Sing from the age of four professionally. Like, that okay, was, wow. That was like, it's my ride or die kind of thing, you know? And so I started singing when I was around that age. And like, yeah, okay. you probably, you mentioned the story of how I was like nearly expelled the day before. And then the <laughs> next day I had this big concert where I sang a song a cappella and the same principal who told me I should be expelled gave me a standing ovation. You know, yeah. that was- uh, Which is incredible. <laughs> It was like an eye-opening moment, but I was already, at that point, I was already really into music. I just didn't have the professional, like, idea click in my brain till that moment. Um, but yeah, no, I've been singing since I was, like, three or four years old. I used to sing musical theater, classical, mm. like, both uh, mostly Western classical, a little bit of Indian classical in school, okay. but not much. Yeah, okay. not enough that I can sing Indian classical convincingly now. And it's something that I think I want to learn again, because you can learn so much from the technique that they use in Indian classical. It's very, okay. yeah, it's very technically demanding. It's a very, mm. um, it's a very tough style of singing you know For in sure. general without me getting into the specific I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's sub genres in indian classical yeah you know but like whether you're singing rags or something else like mm. that like it gets very very demanding on the breath mm. and the voice so yeah. um yeah i mean i started off with western classical and musical theater quickly decided i wanted to sing rock thank you lincoln park and school of mm-hmm. rock um and then uh from there you know it just kept going i learned jazz i learned pop i started working on like all sorts of different styles of singing and it, it really shows in my voice because I have this kind of theatrical voice right now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm hoping that I can do that professionally for the rest of my life. Like it's been, oh my God, what, 23 years or something now since I started wow. singing and, you know, certainly like 20 years since I wanted to do it professionally. And mm. there've been up or downs. Like when I, you know, when I was in college, that was the closest I ever got to giving up on that dream. Okay. Um, yeah, and then I've had some like touch and go moments. Like right before the pandemic started, I recorded my original song Ronin. It's the only one I recorded before the pandemic. I think that and like Plug in Baby and then a song Umbra, which is coming out on December third. You get the scoop, I guess now. I'm not <laughs> supposed to say that, but it doesn't matter. You don't have to edit that out. It'll be I'm it'll I'm be sure I'm sure time. your yeah. agent and manager will be okay with this, hopefully. No, they're okay with it. Yeah. Because like <laughs> we're announcing it literally three days from now, so you'll be fine. <laughs> unless you edit this real fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, you know, those three I recorded before the pandemic. Everything was recorded after, but I remember that session. I was kind of thinking to myself, like, if Ronan in particular doesn't sound good, I'm done. You know, okay. I don't think I'm going to sing anymore. And luckily enough, uh, it sounded so good that I don't think I ever re-recorded Ronan. I think we oh, used the okay. same vocal takes from Feb 2020 when we released it in, what, August 2021. Wow, it was okay. so strong. And you could feel my fury and desperation in those recordings. Because mm. I knew this was, like... Um, this was it. Like I had to get this right. Otherwise I couldn't justify myself putting more time and, mu- and you know, effort into mm. the music. 
And so, you know, there have been moments in my life where I questioned it, but it's, it's, you know, it's been my thing that I wanted to do since I was a kid. And I'm hoping that, you know, I'm able to do it. I'm hoping I'd be able to, I'm very ambitious. I want to play at Wembley. I want to play at Madison Square. I want to play at MMRD in Bombay, if that's still a venue that is open. I don't know if it's still open anymore. You know, I'd love- Or Geo Garden. Yeah, I mean, like, I'll play wherever. Actually, India is probably the first place I'll be able to go on tour because, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, we recently did a bunch of live recordings in Bombay uh, mm-hmm. at a studio over there. And so, like, I feel very comfortable being able to play shows over there and hopefully put together a band because, um, I mean, I certainly, I want to go to, like, uh, Northeast India and play Kohima there. Yeah, oh, my I God, like yeah. They would love that. You know, I'd love to play in Shillong. I'd love to play in, I, yeah. mean, I don't know if I can play in Kohima itself, but, like, I'd love to play shows over there, too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm very ambitious about my music, and I'm lucky enough that, as a nice little segue for you, my music and my animation and, you know, also my writing and acting stuff are all blending together in my style of songwriting and my style of composition, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's allowing me to show all showcase all my skill sets with the fact that my music is so story-driven and so cinematic. Yeah. And I think the term you used for your music, I think just before we started recording, was cinematic <laughs> rock, I believe. Yeah. That's what I'm calling it right now until one or two. I don't think the cinematic aspect of my music will ever slip because that's just so up my alley. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know for sure if I'll continue doing rock long term because I want to explore different styles of music. Not that Definitely. I have rock. Rock was where I got started. But uh, cinematic rock is the best way I describe it to people when they ask me, what's your music like? Because it's not alternative the more I think about it. It's not, I'm not trying to do progressive rock because that's, I think, a little too technical. And I mean, I can do progressive rock, but it's, it gets a little bit too into the, you have to showcase how good you can do stuff with instruments, you know? I mean, I want it to be something that is relatable to everyone, even people who don't listen to, I mean, they should, but they don't listen to Rush or Carnival or stuff like that, you know? I want my music to be something that's anyone can listen to and anyone can relate to. And so cinematic rock sounds like a really cool idea. <laughs> like it sounds like a genre that should exist, but probably doesn't. And I Googled it. Okay. Not too many. Yeah, there aren't oh, too many. So okay. I would be a pioneer if I get Yeah, there. for sure. You already are. That. You already <laughs> are. I mean, you you heard it here for cinematic rockers. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. Um no, and I, I did listen to the EP and I think one of the first things that definitely came to me is your songs are very well written because I think for me, like as a listener, I love, I think for me, the first thing is always lyrics before melody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved the songwriting um, that was on the EP. So um, kudos to you on that. Uh, and yeah, I really yeah, appreciate that. I think you'll definitely, you will find your space uh, for sure because um, all the songs on the EP are still like they're very different and they've got their own messaging which i think is amazing mm-hmm. um but you know how did the idea for ronan come the ep as a whole mm-hmm. yeah and you know like what is the story behind ronan how did it come to you or like mm-hmm. you know you decide like okay you know maybe i should make something like this mm-hmm. and you know how was the whole experience of kind of you know creating it releasing it and especially because it happened during a pandemic so to speak right so yeah um Well, uh, I guess like the best way to say it is that Ronan, the EP, has one kind of unifying theme. And it's this idea of losing a crucial part of yourself, whether that's Mm -hmm. your identity or, you know, your entity. You know, like in in the song Wind, for example, the man knows he's going to die. Like the the character, the protagonist of the song, he's been Mm. infected by this um, virus that's going to take over his mind and be a passenger in his own body. It's essentially, you know, it's inspired by Last of Us, so it's like a zombie virus. Okay. Um, And he's slowly losing not just the fact that he's dying, but he is actually going to be kind of like sleep paralysis in his own body while the Mm. infection takes over and turns him into one of those creatures. And, you know, mama is about losing your own sense of identity, you know, through oppression and through conformity. Ronan is about losing your identity in terms of like something you've built up and been your whole life and having a crisis of confidence and deciding you don't want to be that anymore. So Mm. what are you now? In fact, I'm pretty sure there's a line in the song, what am I now? Yeah. Um, And then Kohima is about losing your life to a cause that you don't fully understand and just, you know, desperately trying to cling and you know, go back to the way things were, but 
not making it out of that you know it's mm. about the struggles of war and it's you know it's a very anti-war song and I, I say this is my tagline on kohima anti-war pro-human <laughs> you know like it, all yeah. of the songs have this unifying idea of what it would be like to lose something of yourself because i think certainly for me um but i i would hope a lot of other well, actually i hope not but i i would assume expect i'm trying to think of the right verb to use here i would understand if a lot of people were feeling the same kind of feeling of like during the pandemic they feel like they're losing elements of themselves because they can't right. interact with people because they are losing crucial aspects of their life and right. um you know I, when i write these songs uh i actually start lyrics first on almost all of them okay. i think the only one where like the melody came before the lyrics was wind okay and then like the concept came before the melody okay um, I always start with lyrics because lyrics allow me to paint the entire picture from the ground up. You mm. know, um, with lyrics from a music standpoint, lyrics are syllables and syllables give you rhythm and melody. Right. And from rhythm and melody, you get harmony, you get bass notes, which give you harmony and so on. Like it allows mm. you to kind of, it allows you to paint the tapestry from the stencil, so to speak. Right. I don't know if I'm using that analogy correctly because I don't know. <laughs> hopefully. Um, but, uh, you know, the ideas and stuff like that allowed me to kind of tap into my acting brain as well because to do Ronan, the EP, I had to really feel a lot of empathy for the characters I was writing. Right. You know, I've never been a samurai in 1300s Japan. I have mm -hmm. not been to war. I have not been infected by a zombie virus. Mm -hmm. You know, and I certainly am not, you know, a woman growing up in a oppressed and hostile civilization that is forcing me to conform for fear of death, you know? Like right. all of those characters are characters that I had to build using a lot of empathy and a lot of understanding and relating to them. And that's why I hope that when my audiences listen to my songs and even just read my lyrics, which, you know, I posted them separately on Instagram because I wanted people who just wanted to read the lyrics to get that experience. I hope right. when people read and listen to them, they are able to connect with it in their own unique way. You know, yeah. so many people have sent me alternative like um, interpretations of wind, of mama, of Ronin. And okay. I love that, you know, um, I think that's amazing. I'm not extremely precious about my interpretations as long as like someone's interpretation is not, you know, racist or sexist or something. Yeah. Like, that's when I'd be like, nah, dude, you're just wrong. Um, <laughs> but like, I love the fact that people can interpret my music and my um, writing in unique ways, because my opinion is once the stuff is out there, it's allowed to go in different ways and be interpreted in different ways, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. In the conception, I try not to get too many interpretations because then it just leads to a jumble. Hmm. But once I release something, I want as many people to have ideas and thoughts on it as they can, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one of the points of art, right? You kind of put it out to see, like, what other people think of what it is yeah, you've created. Yeah. Otherwise, and... why put it out? Like, you want <laughs> other people's perspectives on it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I it's always great. also just want to make money. That's another reason to put it out. It just occurred to me. Oh, it's um, it's a commercial business now. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, then, you know, that kind of, I mean, I don't know if this be, this is something we can pivot to, but mm -hmm. um, because I know Kohima was um, nominated for the LA Shots, right? So then, yeah, yeah. you know, when you get, you know, that kind of recognition and accolade so early on, does that mm -hmm. kind of then influence what you're going to write or compose next that oh because this did so well and this got uh, this kind of recognition does that somewhere affect what you're doing for future music well it certainly affects my agent who's <laughs> 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 just like hey write more kohimas and i'm like yeah I'm trying, man um i i think to a certain extent uh it does where it emboldens me on a lot in a lot of things like it emboldens me to continue doing more animated videos like i do have mm. a couple of live action videos that'll be coming out over the course of 2022 okay um, just because i think i want to try different kinds of videos but i also feel very comfortable and happy to do more animation videos because of the reaction i had not just to kohima but to ronin and mama as well mm. you know um and so i think uh certainly from a songwriting standpoint the fact that the songs are resonating well with people emboldens me a lot to try more interesting things because like you mentioned the songs do have their own kind of unique space and vibe even though yeah. i think is not just from a theme standpoint but also from a songwriting standpoint there are commonalities um between all the songs in fact one or two of them share a baseline which happened by accident now that i think about it um but beyond that i i think that 
the fact that my songs are able to be received so well despite being so different means that people want to hear more different kinds of stories you know right. i've got a song coming out that is very much like a horror video game inspired song like okay. straight up lovecrafty and i've got a song coming out that's set in space i've got another song coming out that's from the perspective of an animal you know yeah, like interesting all of these songs are like very distinct and very different from each other from the conception standpoint and given how i write my songs that usually affects the entire ambiance and sound of the song hmm. but it still is my voice singing it and it still has a lot of elements like i'm working with um keshav on some of my new songs as well and he was the guy who did the production on three of the four songs and i think technically he did the mixing and mastering on all four of the songs um okay. on ronan ep and he also did work on overture which was the intro track on ronan right. um uh and he's working with me on some of the new songs as well uh so you'll hear a lot of similarities but each song sounds like it's a different world and i really mm. love that i love the fact that i don't feel like i'm trapped in the same the same song you know i'm not right. writing about the same thing every single time right. you know i had someone joke with me on another podcast i did that yeah you don't write any love songs man what's up <laughs> i just like i mean once i think of a good love story i'll write the song but right now like my interests are not even another remote. tragedy <laughs> to write about <laughs> Oh jeez man I I mean I could write like an Orpheus song or something and that'd be Oh awesome. my god. <laughs> um but yeah I feel like Orpheus has been tread on too much. I'd find a more obscure story or just write one myself like yeah. my, my goal like you know my next EP or album whatever it ends up being will be kind of like Ronan where they're all self-contained short stories maybe right. one song will be a two-parter. Okay. Um, but other than that like I'm keeping it self-contained because after that I'm going straight for a concept album which is one story nice. however many songs whether it's like four songs or eight songs or 12 songs or whatever you know okay. um and that allows me to flex my composing muscles as well because the music will have to like have little things here and there that call back to previous things or foreshadow like upcoming things in the album itself and at the same time as a singer it allows me to show more variety in my voice cuz i'll yeah. be singing different perspectives or different storylines and stuff so i cannot wait for 2020 to like and all the stuff I'm going to be working on and putting out because it gets me even more ambitious. Yeah, no it's 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 definitely sounds like an exciting time that's coming up for you and mm -hmm. I can't wait to hear all your future music for sure. Um <laughs> really looking forward to it. Um but yeah, I think sort of, you know, because you spoke with the EP with Ronan, one of the things you mentioned was um identity and like, you know, mm -hmm. losing parts of yourself and elements of yourself. So um kind of shifting gears a little bit um I know you've kind of shifted around a lot while growing up right um because yep. I believe you were in the states then in the UK then India then again you moved back so mm -hmm. you know and I always love asking this question to people who move around a lot who are kind of like urban nomads in a way but um do you ever have you ever had I guess this feeling of I, I don't know being a third culture kid or I guess quote and quote oh, fitting yeah. in for fitting into a place and you know what is your journey and experience been like with that oh i i mean i am a third culture kid and in, in like i mean i guess the loosest or basic definition of it for sure and probably the most specific definition too like i don't particularly identify with any specific nationality as much as i guess i'm an indian american for lack of a better term but hmm. what does that even mean anymore <laughs> yeah um, like i grew up all over the place and then i went to schools like i went to an international school for middle school and high school Mm. where it was so transient you know people were there for like 6 months and then they'd leave or a year and then they'd leave and so right. i've gotten very used to the idea of change and i've become very adaptable i might be moving soon you know from where i'm living right now and okay. i'm starting to figure out the next step and it just feels so normal for me you know mm. i'm very used to that and i think there are pros and cons to that because the pros are that i have a very um open view and i've like a very like global mindset about how i think and live but the cons are like i don't really know what i call home in the world you know i don't have like childhood mm. friends in like one location or stuff mm. like whenever i talk to people who are like oh yeah we went to elementary school together and then we went to high school together and stuff and i'm just like yeah dude i don't even think i had a single person in common in any of those situations like my <laughs> middle school was different from my high school in some regards but there were some similarities yeah. um but for the most part like my life it's been shifting around a lot and so uh you know i'm always a little jealous of people who've been friends for like 23 years or something like that i'm like damn dude you know that's amazing yeah, it's long but yeah. on the flip side like i have a lot of friends who i'll be friends with for 2 years and then like life will happen and we'll like 
go to different countries and stuff and then we'll reconnect and it'll be just great yeah it's amazing yeah so you know i guess there are pros and cons to everything and I, i certainly think the way the world should be evolving i don't know if it'll actually go that way given the way things are um yeah the globalization of the world is a really good thing because people can go and explore different cultures and figure out you know things about other places in the world that they like and things about other places in the world they want to aspire to be like so i think that's a good thing i want to go live in all sorts of places you know yeah um, for sure the goal i was joking with my dad the goal is to be what is it pentacostal have like a home <laughs> okay. base in la new york london <laughs> India and then Japan or something oh like that. Oh my god. Just oh like... you should totally get a base in Japan. <laughs> It's a beautiful oh man, country. I loved I I went it. I mean I I um Ronin was actually inspired when I went right. to Osaka in Japan. Oh right? nice. Okay. Yeah. Japan was like I went on that trip in like April 2019 and I'm still thinking about going back, you know. It's just Oh wow. There's so much more that I want to go That's and do amazing. there. Um I was there for like 10, 12 days or something and I still feel like I could have done more. That's amazing. Um, and there's so many other countries that I've gotten, you know, lucky to visit. I was just recently in Nepal and like, you mm. know, that was wonderful and I'm hoping to go to a lot of different places, but you know, a couple of the places I want to go to now are places where I'm writing about folk folklore from there or like mythology from there and I want to go visit those places and actually go and be the history nerd that I am. Yeah, oh that's and, like, amazing. Actually, Like I'd love to go like I've been to Egypt and seen the pyramids but I'd love to go back to Egypt and like really focus in on some of their mythology and stuff because right. mythology's fascinating. Yeah, for you sure know? it is. Yeah. No, that's that's amazing and yeah, I think just given with the pandemic travel, <laughs> I think is something a lot of people are missing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um It's opening up, fingers crossed. Like, yes. Yes. For sure. Yes, fingers crossed for uh, for sure. um but yeah you know uh, because when you were talking about like you know there are people you see who've had like who've been in one place for so long and who have friends from kindergarten i was like yeah i'm that person <laughs> i know uh-huh. what you mean but um yeah which is why i love having this conversation with people who i know who move around a lot because i think mm-hmm. the perspectives are so different and it's always interesting to kind of exchange and see you know where each person's coming from um mm-hmm. so yeah it was really fascinating to hear about your story um mm-hmm. So yeah now we're kind of coming towards the end of this interview. <laughs> And we always end with uh, these last two questions. So the first one is, you know, what are your aspirations? What are you looking forward to in the near or the distant future? Oh my god, so many things. Well, for starters, like I mentioned all the music stuff, I have new music coming out and I'll be playing more live shows in 2022, you know. That's amazing. Of course. So those are two things to really look oh wow my throat is just not happy right now. <laughs> uh, those are a uh, couple of things to really look forward to but beyond that I'm working on this um animated feature right now uh it's based on this book series Young Captain Nemo and we're working yeah. on um you know an animated project based on that and that has been so much fun you know um okay. I've been able to work with um you know screenwriters uh who are so good at their stuff I've been able to work yeah. with animators who are just mind blowing in terms of how you know how they approach the design and so it's been very exciting for me to actually be able to work on a full kind of feature production kind of thing and so fingers crossed that one's coming out soon i don't know when it'll be releasing or anything along those lines and then you know also i'm working on like a live action show which i'm not allowed to talk about so that's that's all i can say <laughs> about it but like you know between my job as like a whether it's an animation producer or a live action producer or something you know um or my music job which is a completely different side of my brain you know i'm very mm. excited for 2022 2023 and beyond because uh i i mean i'm hoping that the years get even more exciting i think that corona has stolen so much time from all of us and yeah. i'm trying to do my best to take advantage of the fact that things are opening up and things are getting a little bit more um uh i guess free that's yeah. the best way to put it Yeah. Oh, that's amazing and more power to you. Um final question. Uh All right. what is a piece of advice you'd like to share or even just a learning? It could be personal, professional, creative, anything. Something you've learned and you wish people were more aware of. Um Well, I think if there's anything I can say given what we've talked about today, it's that 
my passions have always been something that for me I kept coming back to and kept leaning on you know whether things were difficult or or not difficult and the best thing I can say that's helped me is find ways to love it even when even when it's it's a process you know um Mm. I say this a lot when people ask me for advice you know practice 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 because I mean I practice singing like 60 to 90 minutes a day depending on how intensive it is and then like I have to practice, you know, songwriting and all of that by just constantly doing it, you know, practice makes perfect. But for me, what has always helped me when it comes to that aspect of it is, it's kind of thinking about how everything I'm doing is building up towards certain goals. You know, I mentioned I'm very ambitious, but I'm also very meticulous in how I do things. And I always kind of think about everything one step at a time with like the larger goal always in the back of my head. And for me, finding the balance between that, that mindset has always helped me a lot. You know, thinking about, I have this really big goal that I'm aiming towards, but these small incremental goals are the ones that'll get me there. Right. Um, it helps me kind of keep myself grounded and also get not get intimidated by the idea of, you know, aspiring to do a crazy concept album or do um, a feature film in animation with a completely different style of animation or so on, you know? Yeah. All of those things seem so intimidating at first, but when I kind of break it up into little parts and work backwards, that always helps me kind of think it through. And then, yeah, I mean, it goes without saying, like, keep doing it. Like, yeah. practice practice is really important and especially like deliberate practice where you're actually thinking about what you're practicing and why you're practicing it that for me is the best piece of advice i could give anyone because uh i mean it's the only way i can do this stuff i'm not you know a natural born like i just rolled out of bed and started singing and stuff like that like it took me so much time and effort to figure out how to get my voice to work and i'm still working on it so yeah i mean practice is like it's the most default basic advice to give, but it, yeah. it, it there's a reason why, you know? Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. And I think that's very practical advice to give as well, because yeah, I mean, you don't become a, a, like a maestro overnight. It, it takes, mm-hmm. it takes baby steps. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think that's amazing advice. And yeah, with that, we've come to the end of this interview. Thank you so much for being here, Sahil. Um, really enjoyed this so conversation. <laughs> really enjoyed this conversation. Um, yeah, and I, I hope listeners don't get too bored with our anime with our anime <laughs> conversations. Um, but hey, the fans might enjoy it. So yeah, mm-hmm. that that should be good. But yeah, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So that was my conversation with Sahil Bhargav. I had a lot of fun recording this and especially enjoyed our conversation about all things anime. You should definitely check out the recommendations. Closing this episode with Sahil talking about his song Mama from his EP Ronin. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll see you next week with a new guest and a new chronicle to share. Talk soon! So these are the lyrics to my song, Mama, which was on my EP that came out last August. Uh, The EP is titled Ronin. A faint shimmering light, the ray renders me blind, confined all through my life, the truth I can't unsee. The glory of daylight awaits me. I'm running, I'm climbing, I'm soaring up high the summit approaching my freedom in sight. I'm leaving my demons and shedding this life, a new world to dream. The chasm of fear will not break me. The walls bearing me down, my light simmering out. As I falter and drown, I sink into sleep. The chasm of freedom forsakes me. I'm silent, I'm screaming, I struggle to cry. But life is not giving, I'm losing my mind. I'll give in, conforming, and I will survive, long and inside. The glory of fear will erase me. Am I happy now? The demon is me. Am I happy now? My victims are me. Am I happy now? The secret stays unknown. Now you are yearning to flee, your souls tainted by fear, 
but I must keep you near. It's you or it's me. The chasm of freedom you'll never see. I'm chasing, I'm losing, I'm falling behind. You burnt down your demons and never looked back. I'm hoping, I'm praying you will find the light. Realize your dream. The glory of moonlight is yours to feel. The glory of freedom, a mother's dream. So, Mama was inspired by the anime Promise Neverland, at least season one of it. Um, and it's inspired by Isabella's story. Um, and so I essentially put myself in her shoes and imagined myself to be in that situation, living in this horrific, oppressive, and hostile environment. And that was, you know, the character in Mama is, is placed in an environment just like that, where she feels like she's been completely confined and just unable to be herself. And so she tries to escape, but as she tries to escape, she quickly realizes that doing so would probably cause her to lose her life. And so she eventually, after a lot of time, gives in and conforms and becomes just like the people that were oppressing her, eventually becoming the very monster that she hated, the, you know, the demon is me. And time passes and she continues to, you know, exist in this state until finally she becomes a mother and she has kids of her own. And she realizes that her kids, just like she was when she was a kid, are, you know, trying to escape. They're trying to get out of this this environment. And at first she fights it. You know, she doesn't want her kids to leave her. She doesn't want her kids to potentially, you know, get killed. But unlike her, they're able to work together and they're actually able to, you know, burn down their demons, so to speak, and escape. And at first she's sad knowing that she'll never see her kids again. She's devastated, but a part of her realizes that she's proud of them and she's happy for them that they'll be able to finally follow their dreams and live their lives in a way that she never was they'll be able to basically live out her dreams or at least she'll be living vicariously through their dreams um yeah i mean that's the entire story of mama and i i find it i find it amazing because people who have listened to the song have you know, found it extremely relatable in lots of different ways and lots of different interpretations that even I didn't think of. And so I hope more people listen to the song and love it and hopefully come see me play it live soon, which would be amazing. So thank you.